opportunity to share again some of the thoughts on our our uh, heading back here, beautiful surrender or surrender. And um, I have to say right out at the start, have you ever felt out of your depth in something? Have you ever felt that you have uh, maybe stepped a little too far and uh, and you're a bit like Peter, you're out of the boat and you're standing on water? Well, that's exactly how I feel this morning and talking on uh, surrender and beautiful surrender. You've bitten off, have bitten off a little bit more than I chew, but thankfully the Holy Spirit is here. And really, that's who we need. You don't really need my words, and you don't really need my thoughts, but we need to be inspired, we need to be filled afresh again, we need to be challenged, we need to be equipped, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. I know Jenna has prayed, but let's, maybe this prayer is more for me than it is for you, but let's just pray, just just take a moment uh, in surrender. (coughs) Father, uh, we're so thankful that your son Jesus has has displayed what uh, surrender, a beautiful surrender looks like in uh, giving his life for us. And so, Father, in light of that, help us to walk obediently after him. And in doing so, Lord, our desire is that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. And uh, as we open up and just think about surrender this morning again, Lord, I pray that you would not alone challenge us, but that you would uh, help us that you would uh, lead us, you would guide us, that we would feel uh, in a better place uh, at the end of, of, of just this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. The dictionary definition of beautiful surrender, I know David shared it with it, I shared it with you the first day, but I think it's important just to uh, go over that again, is to, or the dictionary definition, I should say, is to stop resisting to an opponent, to submit to an authority, to yield to something that is of greater power than or greater value than yourself. And ultimately, that's what the Christian life is about. Following Jesus is us surrendering our ways, uh, surrendering our power, giving up our power, so that we are filled with his power and equipped with his power. The last time I spoke, I talked about some of the beauties that I have experienced in the last year, in the, looking back over the last 10 years of my life as I have endeavored to surrender my life to Christ. Some of those things that I found on that journey was that there was provision. There was uh, protection. There was, there was peace that came. There was a prospering, not maybe just like what the world talks about, but there's a prospering of a man's soul and a woman's. There was a finding of a plan and a purpose for my life. And most of all, the greatest thing that I have found as I have surrendered my life to Christ is his presence. That is the greatest thing that he can give us, is his presence. Didn't mean to start off so heavy at the start, but... It's so true. It's his presence. 
I've loved what Amy and uh, Neil and David have shared with us over the last couple of weeks and some of the thoughts that they have helped us think through. I liked what Neil shared about Jesus came and surrendered his reputation. He gave up his reputation for the sake of us. uh, The way he he came and, and what he did wasn't popular. It wasn't a popular way of a king coming. But he did it for the sake of you and me. And in light of that, what are we going to surrender? Are we going to surrender our comforts, our traditions, and our time? He shared with us, was it last week or the week before, that the new power Jesus came to display was to surrender? Was it last week or before? And the true wisdom is laying down our lives. So that's uh, David shared so much on the second week or the third week I get confused in which week's what but he shared with so much with us it'll take me the next three months to unfold it David has ability of doing that of, of just giving us so much stuff but one of the things that he, he talked about was that we need to in the light of surrender we need to make the most of what God has given us we need to make the most of what he has placed in our hands. He talked about that day. I think he talked about the cost it is to follow Christ. He talks about the cost and the sacrifice was needed to follow uh, and to be a follower of Christ. He also talked about this, which I thought was really good, that, that surrender does isn't just a one-off experience, but it becomes a daily event. It becomes the rhythm of our lives that we surrender constantly to him and I just want to encourage you that if you haven't listened to the series go on to SoundCloud Grace Community Church and the series is there Amy was uh, was great too I don't want to leave Amy out just because she's a woman but for me Amy what Amy shared did you share the second week or the third week Amy the fourth week, totally wrong. What Amy, what Amy shared was was very timely for me. And um, do you ever do you ever be sitting somewhere, or do you ever listen to something, and someone puts words around your experience, and it seems to it seems to be such a help. It seems to unlock something within each side of inside of me when 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 like your experience is verbalized in some sort of way. And, uh, and so what Amy shared was, was great. It's been, it's been great just uh, thinking backwards and forwards about this whole idea of surrender. But today I, I want to share with you what I believe that God has laid on my heart. And what I believe he's laid on my heart is the word pathway. Pathway. I'm just going to change over. That's Hisson. Yeah, pathway. That uh, surrender is a pathway to the things that God has promised for each one of us. Some of those things that I mentioned earlier that I have experienced in my life. 
And, uh, and what I want to do is I want to exper share, as I said, out of what my experience of surrender is, but I also want to share some biblical truths that, that I believe is, is displayed in Scripture. I like to put two disclaimers out, or a couple of disclaimers out as I start to preach, so that uh, at the end of the day, uh, 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 no one can take you up at the end of it. Paul, Paul writes in Philippians 3, verse 12, he says, that, he says these words, um, I don't want mean to say that I have achieved everything, or I have attained everything, or I have re reached perfection, but I press on. And, uh, and why I use that verse at the start is that, that I don't want to say that I have reached everything that can be reached in surrender. There's more. But the bit that I have and the bit that I do know, just like Paul, I want to, to share with you today. I believe God wants me to share with you. And the second thing that I want to say is to live a life of surrender. It not will only take a person who is willing and obedient, but it will also take a person who is brave to walk a pathway of surrender. You see, this is not a popular type of preaching in the church today. It's not a popular route for us. It's not, it's not rosy. It's not flowery um, surrender. It's a lifestyle that we are called to live. The, per the definition of a person who is brave, uh, I thought that would be a good thing to, to look that up. Um, because I wrote down, I wrote down that uh, I need to get my English right in case Jenna corrects me. But I wrote down that statement and then thought, why did I put brave within that? Sometimes I, I do that. But the definition of a brave person is a person who is ready to face whatever is thrown at them for the sake of achieving something greater. Let me read that again. The definition of a brave person is a person who is ready to face whatever is thrown at them for the sake of achieving something greater. In the book of John, Jesus said um, where obedience was concerned, or I'm willing, uh, where willing is concerned, Jesus said, I only do that of the will of the Father. And where obedience is concerned, we read that in Philippians 2, verse 8, that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient, obedient even to the point of death. And so, um, and so I, I think that, 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 that we need to prepare ourselves, if we're going to follow Christ, that it's not all rosy. It's not going to be all mountaintop experiences. There are going to be valley experiences as well. A couple of weeks ago, Joanne and I were up at the North Coast. It was the week that Amy was speaking, and uh, we decided just to take a weekend away. We were given a house for a weekend, and uh, that doesn't happen us very often, but we were. And uh, we got up early on the Sunday morning, and we went to church. And uh, church was at 9.30, um, and so we were back, and we had lunch early, and we were back to the house about 12 o'clock, and and uh, Joanne and Amelia wanted to lie down and watch a movie, uh, something that they had started the day before. And so I wanted uh, to go for a walk. This gave me a little bit of time. 
And where we were staying was a wee village called uh, Port Ballantre. It's on the coast and it's just absolutely beautiful. Uh, if you ever want to be romantic, some of you guys just bring your girls there. And girls, if you ever want to be romantic, just bring some of your guys there. But, or, or your guy, not some of your guys. <laughs> but um, uh, um, I love the sea. I absolutely love being at the sea. The sea, for me, over the years, is a very, very special place. It's a place where, where I, I, I just seem to connect with God a lot. I don't know whether you have a place like that where you really connect with God. But for me, the sea represents like, I like to get right down to where the sand ends and the water starts. And it's like, it's like you're right at the edge of known earth. And to walk out on the next bit it takes faith. And it's like where those two points meet, it's probably, for me, it's like a thin place. It's a place where I feel really close to God. And over the years, I have done a lot of walking and talking with God at the sea. But when I was out uh, walking with Ethan, uh, he was sleeping uh, along the sea. I got over, a little bit overcome with emotion. And as I said, probably at that time, Amy was speaking uh, here at the same time, and she was she was talking about our our reality and our expectation being poles apart, and how that can create quite up, an upset and frustration with us. But as I as I look back on that, I think about why I got emotional, and uh, and for me, I can sum it up in two words. It was it was gratefulness and thankfulness. Now, I, as I said to you, I've spent a lot of time walking at the sea. Not so much in recent years, but 10, 15 years ago, I spent a lot of time walking at the sea. I spent a lot of time praying to God, asking God for things, talking to God, shouting to God, demanding things of God, telling God how this all should work out, telling him how my life should all be mapped out. And... Uh, and the amazing thing about God is he never answers you back when you talk to him in those times. He never reprimanded me. He never said anything as I think back about those things. But I'm so grateful that he never answered a lot of those prayers. I'm so thankful that he never answered a lot of those prayers. But what I am grateful and thankful now is that he has actually gave me a lot more than I ever imagined or thought of. And, uh, and so I, I think back over that time and what that process was like. That was a process of surrender for me. Fifteen years ago, I was somebody who seemed to have everything on the outside. I seemed to have, I seemed, I, I had everything. I, I'm, not, I'm not standing here boasting, saying about it. I had a lot of stuff. But on the inside, I, I, I was empty and I, and I struggled. Uh, I struggled with, um, with my identity. I struggled with my worth. I struggled with relationships. And most of all, I struggled with God. I struggled with the fact that God loved me. I loved that we, we started that our time, you know, and we sort of allow ourselves sometimes to bathe in the fact that God loves us. I was empty. I want you to hear these words. 
because it's only now looking back I can really see what my struggles were. I was empty and I was unhappy because my purpose in life was centered around me. I was alone and I was lonely and yet I had everything on the outside. In the inside I was alone and empty. And uh, and the, and the truth is, you see a person who knows everything and thinks they've got everything, it's very hard to have a relationship with that type of person. It's hard, very hard even to have a type of friendship with that type of person. And, and so we're victims of our own uh, cause. In the story of Joseph, um, my life was kind of like the story of Joseph. I had a dream for my life. And I knew exactly how that dream was going to work out. And that's what Joseph's life, Amy, Amy shared with us so well about the life of Joseph uh, on that fourth session. And uh, uh, I knew exactly how my life was going to work out, or I thought I did. I knew exactly how I wanted it to pan out. And you know, young Joseph was the same. He was arrogant and, am I allowed to say, cocky? And sure of himself. And he was determined. He knew how his life was going out. About that time I read this book, I, want to, I really want to commend this book to you. It's called uh, God Meant It For Good. It's on the story of Joseph. If you're a young person, I would, or I would especially encourage young people to read this book. It's about the story of Joseph and the life of Joseph and the journey and the pathway God took uh, Joseph on. And I, I thought to myself, when I have achieved all these things, when I get exactly to the point that I think my life needs to be, I'll be happy. And, uh, and I... I, again, I really don't want to boast, but 12 years ago, I was probably at that point. I had everything. I remember I, I had my new house and uh, lots of properties. I just bought my next business. I uh, had bought a new car a couple of days before this, this special event happened in my life. I, I was washing my new car in the driveway and... And, and I had everything. And I remember walking up into my garage and saying, God, there must be more to life than this. There must be more. And God, if there is, please show me what it is. We have everything on, our, on the outside. And I think that, that we need to be careful as people we don't build things around ourselves that we find identity from, that we find security from. Because what I have learned in the last 12 years of my life is that identity and strength comes from within. It comes from knowing him first of all. So it is. And what he deposits in our lives. What happened after that point was God took me on a very unusual journey. All the stuff that I had accumulated quickly went. All the, all the stuff that I felt that my purpose and identity was wrapped up in quickly left. And um, 
Remember I show, shared with you uh, the last time I spoke about the, the vision that someone had given of, of my life, of this, you know, that beautiful poem of where Jesus carries people on the sand and, and my friend gave me a vision that I wasn't being beautifully carried. Jesus was actually dragging me, kicking and screaming across the sand. And that was what the story of my life became, started to look like. And, and for Joseph, it was kind of similar. Um, he thought he was just going to rule and reign over his brothers. Now I want to say something clearly. The story is not totally morbid because uh, where I'm at today is I am um, far beyond anything I could ever imagine or think. So the story didn't end with losing everything. But the story is, part of that story is the process of God stripping away all the things that we put our security in, in my life. And bringing me to a point where he rebuilt my life with him at the centre. I, I, felt, I feel led to share this today because I think that sometimes, uh, or maybe even within this gathering, the, the pathway that some people are on isn't easy. Um, if, you go, if you go with Ronnie and Carlin on, on a mission trip, or and many of you have, you'll soon see that there's people on the front line and, and life is not easy for them. As they, as, they, as they journey towards the purpose that God has for their lives, it can be difficult. It can be hard. And uh, uh, maybe you're here this morning and just want to use Amy's words. Maybe you feel a little disappointed because life hasn't uh, worked out. It hasn't worked out the way that you expected it to be. Maybe you use Naomi's words again. Maybe you sit here and you look around and you think, why does everyone seem to prosper? Why does everyone else seem to be having an easy life? And inside my life is in turmoil. Well, I believe God uh, wants to speak to us, not alone today, but God wants to speak to us as we surrender to him and to his pathway for our lives. See, what I believe God wants to do with each of us and what God's heart is for each of us is that he wants to move us to a place where our realities, where what we are living today, will be far beyond any expectations we have ever had for our lives. I think that's God's ultimate goal for our lives. That our realities will be far beyond anything that we ha um, expect. Recently I've been book reading through the book of Acts. I shared that with you the last day. Um, I'm a slow reader, but uh, I like to just digest the thing. And, uh, and one of the things in the book of Acts that uh, the early church, this is the chatting about the early church and um, the, the spread of the gospel throughout the wor world, is there's four stories within that, in the book of Acts, that really intrigue me. There, there, there are four times where the apostles or the, pro or the, the disciples or, or Paul have been put in jail. 
And each time that they have been put in jail, what really amazes me is their response. They, they don't know what the future is going to hold. They don't know what their next day is going to hold. They don't know what their next week's going to hold. And yet, uh, their response never ceases to amaze me. They've been falsely accused, badly treated, misunderstood. And yet, every time I love it, they, they do not respond with disappointment. They're not filled. We don't read that they're filled with jealousy or anger. It doesn't cause them to lower their expectations of God in any way. It doesn't cause them to doubt in who they are and who they belong to. Maybe, maybe they had that added bonus that, that some of them were with Jesus when he, he said the words in John 16 verse uh, 33 that you'll have trouble but you'll also have peace and take heart or be brave because I'll turn earlier on he says in that in that chapter he says I'll turn your your grieving into joy that's the story of Christ he turns grieving into joy that's the story of the holy spirit but something that Amy said within uh, which provoked another thought. Sorry to plagiarize so much of your message, Amy. But something Amy said within that message, and, and I think one of either Neil or David said, said it as well. Two things was that the, the, these disciples, they stayed true, where Joseph was concerned, he stayed true to himself and he stayed true to God. And where these disciples were concerned, they seemed to stay true to themselves and stay true to God. And I want to paralyze, paralyze these two uh, stories. The story of the, the disciples and the apostles as they faced opposition, and the story of Joseph as he uh, faced opposition in the pathway that God um, asked him to walk. The end of Joseph's story is amazing. Joseph ends up with far, far more I take it you, most of us here have read this story. If you haven't read the story of Joseph in the Bible back in Genesis, please do. But the, the end of the story is that Joseph ends up with far more than he can ever imagine or think. And, the, and where the apostles and Paul are concerned, the gospel goes further than they could ever imagine or think. The purpose of their lives Word was to spread the gospel. And what surrendering is, is, surrendering is dying to my way, my will, my idea, and, my, and of how it all should work out. And in the process, becoming alive to God's way. I like that song. That's, I felt like there was something in that. We cry out to dead bones, come alive. And that's, again, what the Holy Spirit would want that we would, as we die to ourselves, that we would come alive to Christ. In John twelve twenty four, when Jesus was with his disciples, he said this, as he was telling them how the end was going to pan out. It wasn't a nice, airy, fairy story. It was the truth. He told them the truth. And he said, unless a grain of wheat, referring to his own life, but I think he was telling a message beyond his own life. He said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, sounds a wee bit like surrendering or giving up to me. 
it will always re remain alone and useless. I love when you find verses like this or translations like this and you think about how you were. You were. I was alone. I felt that I had no purpose in life 15 years ago. And so that's why God brought me through the process of surrender. But unless, unless it dies, it will remain alone. But when it does, when, when a grain of wheat, when an individual falls to the ground and dies, I'm not saying that you all should go out into the car park and die over, but die to your will, die to, to your way of thinking it. D die and surrender to God's path for your life. It will produce a harvest of plentifulness. And one, one translation says it will produce a harvest of newness. Ever feel that you need some newness in your life? Some freshness? Something new that God wants us to bite into? See, in the first three accounts, in the first three jail incidents in the book of Acts, each time they were miraculously set free. A miracle happened the gates, the, the prison gates were opened. The chains fell off. They were set free. But in the final one, Paul wasn't set free. He wasn't set free. And, and, and at that point, if I had been Paul, I probably would have questioned God and said, look, you've created three miracles before. For people probably who were who are less faithful than I am to you, but you haven't uh, created a miracle for me. When Joseph was wrongly accused, he where, where did he end up being? But in the jail. See, the purpose, as I've said earlier, the purpose of Paul's life was that he would get to Rome. He wanted to get to the capital of the known world at that time. But the pathway that God chose for, for Paul to get to Rome wasn't to be translated by a host of angels, wasn't to be carried by a great army or surrounded by a great army, but it was through the prison. It was through trials. It was through persecution. It was through hardship. Joseph, he was, sold into, he was sold as a slave. It was bad enough that he was sold as a slave into Potiphar's house. He was so far from what the vision that God had given for his life. He was to be a ruler. He was to be a king. And all of a sudden, he's in Potiphar's house. But we, we read that in that story that Joseph prospered. In spite of the difficulties, in spite of the trials, in spite of every challenge before him, he prospered. And he prospered to the point in Potiphar's house that he became ruler over Potiphar's house. He was so, he was so diligent. He was so honest. He was so, he was so uh, I don't know what the word was. But he, he came to a place where the only thing that Potiphar needed to worry about was, was eating his food and and sleeping he put joseph in charge of everything else and we and we don't read uh, and and then disaster struck disaster struck he didn't give in to potiphar's wife he didn't give in to the lusts of the flesh and as a result he was put in jail 
And during this time, in spite of his difficulties, we we don't read that he grumbled or he groaned. He wrote off letters about his rights or tried to justify his case in any way. We don't read that. We read that he surrendered to God. He surrendered to the sovereignty of God. While he was in in slavery in Potiphar's house, some of the things that Joseph learned was how to govern and to rule well. He learned that by being in Potiphar's house. He managed Potiphar's wealth. And what he learned in the jail was that when he was in jail, he was with two of the king's right-hand men, the butler and the baker. And so what he learned when he was in jail was everything about the palace and everything about the king. It wouldn't have been the way that Joseph would have chose for his life to learn such things. But the end of uh, 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 Joseph's life is that he needed to learn all these things for the position that God was moving him into. See, the pathway that God chose for Joseph was intentional. You know, sometimes the pathway that God chooses for our lives is contrary to popular preaching. My experience is that um, it isn't usually the path of least resistance. Although that's what we want to aim for. We always want to aim for the path of least resistance. But it's not usually the way. You know, to be a prophet in the Old Testament, there's a lot of of talk today about prophecy and people giving words of prophecy and acting in 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 the function of a prophet. You know, in the Old Testament, to be a prophet, surrender wasn't an option. To be the voice of God, you had to be completely surrendered to your own will, to your own way of doing things, to your own rights, to everything, to your own reputation. You had to surrender. You know, in the New Testament, it's clear that the apostles and the disciples, this was a way of life for them. People no longer lived to their own desires, but they surrendered to God's way. And the result was that they received a new power and a new love. And that's really what our world needs today is to see a new power and a new love demonstrated, probably in a new way. talked about newness earlier. And that's what, what's needed around us. I'm, I don't really have much more to share on this, other than I just want to encourage you, if your pathway today is difficult, don't feel that you're out of God's kingdom in some way. Don't feel that you're second class in some way. Jesus said that you will have trials. You will have difficult times. But surrender to me and because he had overcome that. I talked the first day about Jim Elliot. Jim Elliot's famous, uh, one of Jim Elliot's famous lines is, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You give up what you cannot keep 
to gain that which you cannot lose. And I, I think that's a beautiful picture of surrender. But recently I read one other of his statements, which maybe I like a wee bit better. It says, God always gives, he said, God always gives his best to those who surrender their choice to his choice. God always gives his best to those who surrender their choice to his choice. Maybe I'm just going to ask the team to come and play their last song. And I want to again use some of Amy's uh, thoughts here. Maybe today you're carrying a little bit of disappointment in your heart. Because life hasn't turned out the way that you thought it was going to be. Situations have been outside of your control have left you in a difficult position. Maybe you have been treated badly by people around you. This has caused you not to feel of great worth. Maybe these disappointments or your disappointment in life has caused your expectations to be lower than what they should be. And as a result, discontentment has crept in from the side and and dampened your spirit. It's not alone dampened your spirit, but it's created a bit of a sourness within it. And you do not feel the newness and the freshness that comes from completely surrendering to God's pathway for your life. You start to look around you and you see that the grass is a bit greener for other people. You start to become jealous. There starts to be a little bit of a twist within your heart what actually happens in that process is that blindness starts to happen in your eyes you stop seeing God in the places that you used to see him Jason sang this song a couple of weeks ago and and I think it's very apt for us to end and then Neil will come and pray but there's three things that I want you to hear within this song it's the song called Sovereign Over Us. One is God is faithful. God is faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his word. And he's faithful to his purposes. And those things will never, ever be separated. You can never separate those things from God. The second thing is, which has already been echoed here this morning, is that God loves each one of us deeply. And I think if we, if we only got a glimpse of that, if we only got a glimpse of that, that would blow us away. You know, he loves each one. And he not alone loves each one of us deeply. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, the man who slept on the street last night because, because he's got an addiction to alcohol and, and life's difficult for him. Or the drug addict or, or, or the person who's caught in prostitution or the person who's just so caught up in sin 
they've just got so entangled. You know what the word teaches us? That he loves each one of us equally. There's no, there's no favorites. And the third thing is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. In Genesis 50 verse 20, Joseph says this to his brothers when he's reunited with the man who sold him, who put him in a pit and sold him into slavery and caused all this pathway or what he thought or what they thought caused all this hardship and pathway. He said to them face to face, he said, you know, you meant it for evil. But God has taken all those things and used them for my good. And that's the way God operates when we surrender our lives to him. just want to remind you in Joseph's story, we never hear of Joseph trying to vindicate himself. We never hear of him trying to justify himself. We never hear of him crying out to the law. We never hear of him crying out for some sort of justice. He surrenders to God. All those things God's taken, Joseph said. All those things that that seem bad and opposition and trial and persecution, you know what, God has just sort of scooped all those things up. To turn them on their head and use them for my promotion to bring me to the place of where I'm at today. 